0: The losing streak is up to, what, eight games? Ugh. April was the best of times. May has been the worst of times for the Royals. But it gives us plenty to talk about on Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars' daily sports podcast. It's Tuesday, May 11th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. On today's show, which started as a Sports Beat Live, star columnist Vahe Gregorian and I broke down where things have gotten off track, and we talk about some possible remedies. But to be honest... There's no addition or batting order switch that's going to provide a dramatic change. The Royals are simply going to have to battle their way out of this hole that they've dug for themselves. You'll hear from Royals manager Mike Matheny and from Whit Merrifield as well. So let's get started talking Royals with Vahe Gregorian. Hey, good morning from Kansas City and welcome to Sportsbeat Live, the weekly show where we talk about the Royals, whether they're in first place or not. <laughs> they, they're not um, Our conversation happens with those in the media Who know them best And it's usually a foursome with beat writer Lynn Worthy along with columnist Sam Mellinger and Vahe mm-hmm. Gregorian but We take attendance Well hello Vahe
1: <laughs> Well I'm glad uh, We're going to proceed with uh, two, two pillars Blair we'll, we'll, we'll see how the rest come in
0: do something, that's that's for sure. <laughs> As we speak, uh, Lin Worthy is um, 30,000 feet over the earth, uh, making his way to Detroit where the Royals play tonight. And Sam Mallinger is on assignment. So, Bahe, well, it is just you and I, but there's plenty, plenty to talk about. And, um, and, look, we hope to do so with you folks watching today. Bring your good stuff. You usually do. Um, you know, a team that's lost eight straight, there's there's always plenty to talk about. Hey, before we get into the Royals discussion, let's thank our sponsor the University of Kansas Medical System. Great to have KU Med on board, and we'll hear from them later in the show, along with Royals manager Mike Matheny and maybe even a player or two. All right, Vahe, let me run down a few numbers before we get started. As I mentioned, eight straight losses for the Royals. They've gone from 16 and nine and in first place to 16 and 17 under 500 for the first time this season and third place behind the teams that swept them at Kauffman Stadium this past week, the Indians and the White Sox. Um, they were outscored by the White Sox 21 to four, a number that I, uh, I I got from your column, your latest column, vahey and. The only competitive game in that White Sox series was the three nothing loss on Friday, where they had the bases loaded in the ninth inning, gave themselves a chance, but couldn't get it done. So, Fahe, in I don't know twenty five thousand words or less, uh, <laughs> what what is happening to the Royals? Last time we talked, um, they had lost. They, you know, remember they'd lost two out of three to Minnesota. They'd started that stretch of games against the AL Central, and we're thinking, boy, if they could just. Kind of stay competitive in this stretch of 17 straight against the AL Central. You know, maybe play 500 or a smidge higher. Maybe Either way, game below, above or below, they'd be in great shape. But, oh, my goodness, eight in a row, nine of ten, and just
1: not looking good at all. Well, uh, just first things first, Blair, in the interest of 25,000 words or fewer, uh, the peanut gallery down here in the kitchen where the only really good Wi-Fi is, Suggest good luck with that. Uh, but I'll, I'll try to keep it tight. Um, you know, the thing is, here's the thing. It, it, and we've had a lot of uh, moments together, Blair, lately, uh, you know, covering the game together Friday night. And then yesterday with just getting to listen to Tom Watson and George Brett talk about the nature of streaks. And, you know, we need, we know these things happen in sports and baseball is kind of particularly prone to it, but they don't have to be this way. And, and, as we think about the eight game losing streak, it would look a lot different if they won the two or three games, they were kind of in position to win, right? A couple really, really bad bullpen moments. uh, A lot of runners left on base games that could have gone a little differently. And then maybe you you can live a little bit better with the nine to ones and the nine to threes that just sometimes kind of happen. Um, But instead, you know, you're, you're leaving Kauffman stadium on Sunday and it, you could tell once they got down. I think it was three to one in the second inning. I, I had no no sense they were going to come back. Um, it just felt like felt like a, a flattened kind of hollow hollow team. And you know maybe we make too much of this this kind of thing sometimes. But I do think the, the day off does them well. The, the change of venue does them well. Um, I do think that what we need to remember is this team isn't one or the other. It's not, not the eight game losing streak team. It's certainly not the 16 and 16 and nine team fully. It's both sort of all, all at once. And what comes with that is, uh, you know, the need to watch every game and, you know, see what comes next. Uh, I, I don't, I don't feel, um, I don't feel like, Oh, the season's toast. I mean, we're talking about 80% of the season left. And this eight-game streak, when I did the math the other day, it's 4.94% of the season. I mean, it in the long run, it, it needn't be defining at all, right? But in the short run, you sure want to get past this horizon, and you got to see some tangible things happen. They've got to have, have just smarter play, better defense, better bullpen performance, Um Eat some production from Dozier and Solaire in ways that they're not consistently delivering. Um, and as as we both sort of perked up to hear George Brett say yesterday when we were speaking to him at the Joe McGuff ALS event, um, try easier. You know, that really stands out with Solaire, doesn't it, for instance?
0: No, that, that's right. Absolutely. Um, you know, to a couple of your points, Vahe, the... You know the, the the narrow losses during that eight game losing streak came after the Royals had won their first six games this year. It, they were six zero in one r- run games uh, to start the year, and and I think the streak had been the the winning streak of uh, leading after seven innings was up to sixty. And they've now lost their last, I think, last two games. Uh, maybe it's just one. But, but I know that that streak ended during the um, – it was a, a one-run one, one loss to uh, the Indians. So you know, just when, when things go bad, everything seems to go bad. Um, it, it happens, like as you said, in all, uh, in, in all phases. Um, I think uh, David Wright captures the mood when he says, boo, no more sports. Yes, I think I think, uh, I think when teams, when teams on an eight-game losing streak—you you tend to feel that way. Um, <laughs> I know where you're coming from. I know where you're coming from, David.
1: Yeah, Blair. To that to that point, I thought about this a little bit in something I was working on last night. You know, and I keep I keep harping on our time with George and Tom yesterday, but think how interesting that is that that. You know, in this case, there really was only a TV camera that and the two of us talking to George Brett and Tom Watson for half hour. Um, and you know, they got talking about last season and George was telling the story about, you know, as a as a vice president for life, being allowed in the stadium when fans weren't allowed and sitting up in the upper deck by himself watching a game and getting I think he said it was his first foul ball.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He didn't catch it in the air. Right. It did. It rattled around some seats and he went over and picked it up. Yeah.
1: He waited for it to safely settle in. (laughs) Um, But, but the exchange between them at that point was something that I try to remind myself of, you know, just how crummy it was to be playing that season that way they did the best they could, but playing that season that way um, with nobody in the stands. And I, I was just thinking like, okay, is an eight-game losing streak preferable to that? I think maybe it is. At least it's, it's, it's real. And it's not – again, we don't know that it's ruinous at this point. In fact, you know, it's completely premature to say that it would be ruinous at this point. But it just made me think about that contrast, like, all right, well, at least we're playing ball in front of the fans that want to go now.
0: And speaking of which, uh, we were both out there Friday night for uh, – I think it was 16,000-plus – Uh, the largest crowd that the Royals had had to date. And i added another crowd similar on, on Sunday, I believe. So I'll tell you the Royals fans have done a great job of spreading out, but making it look like, um, you know, stadium, uh, not half, you know, we'd less than half filled, but uh, you know, it just looks better and it feels better. And, you know, you wish there had been more success for the fans that did, uh, come out to the ballpark for for the last homestand. The Royals increased their uh, their
1: their capacity to I think it's seventeen four right f- for the moment, right? I think so, and, and you know, it, and this is probably another entire discussion sometime. But it really is interesting how the dynamics of this have worked, whether it's some pricing things or some COVID uh, considerations. Still, in terms of walk up and, and things like that with the crowd. I mean, they came home. Leading all of baseball with that sixteen and nine record, and they had, they had a chance to have 17-4 that night, that Monday night, with Daniel Lynch making his major league debut, and they 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 didn't they didn't have eight thousand, um, which I thought was interesting. And then by the weekend, you know things things uh, were kind of more like what you might think they would be. So it, it'll be interesting to study some of that. I, I think we were joking Friday. I think it was Friday night that we understood the crowd had a little more youthful element to it right away when Merrifield hit a pop-up and the crowd went crazy thinking it was going out. Um, That, that was a a sound I hadn't heard for a while, right? The, the overexcited youngsters. It it was kind of neat.
0: Well, I do think, and maybe, maybe um, somebody out there can remind us that tickets are still not available day of game, that it's still, there is no walk-up sales for, for Royals tickets. They have to be purchased in advance, which, explains why weekend crowds might be better than the weekday crowds. Normally they are anyway, but I think it may be easier to plan for a weekend ball game than it is for a weekday ball game. And yeah, I think that on another night when a player, especially a pitcher is making his major league debut, there'd be some, some buzz and some excitement and people would you know, want to be part of that. And the the crowd was a little on the disappointing side that night. So Okay, Vahe, let's, let's – uh, let's we you and I have talked about this, but let's hear what uh, Royals manager Mike Matheny has had to say. This was after Sunday's game, uh, which, which made the losing streak, eight. And if, correct me if I'm wrong, I think this is uh, – well, we'll know in a moment. I think it's your question that prompted this response from Mike Matheny.
1: Mike, you, you kind of alluded to this, but uh, when you're in this kind of streak – um, you're dealing with a lot of different things and I, I suppose pressing might be one of them um what what is it you're seeing in that sense with these guys right now
2: yeah Bahe, i'm i'm not so sure that um you know pressing's always a bad thing i mean, the, i i see pressing and uh urgency almost as the the same um, as long as it's controlled effort and you know you don't have pitchers on the mound trying to overthrow that's pressing. Uh, you know, we've got guys that are coming out and making pitches. We've got guys who are taking some pretty good at-bats. It's just we're not able to put a lot of things together. And it does seem that when we um, when we make a mistake uh, it gets amplified. Um, so it's just a it's a bad run. You know, part of the conversation I just keep having and I had again with the guys yesterday um, is just a reminder. This was a really bad week. Um, we're going to have some really good weeks. Uh, it's not our bad our last bad one. Um, it's just, how do we continue to play the game and, um, try not to try not to let it linger too much. It's hard to let them go though. When they all stack up, just like I talked a couple of days ago, um, about not having a run scored it, you know, it, you want it, you want to fix it. Um, and it add to guys taking bigger swings than what they ought to maybe. So. Um, but overall, uh, you know, it's uh it's just something that we're gonna to have to put our head down and keep fighting and realize this is part of the game. Len Jennings. Hey, Mike. You, you just touched on this a little bit, but it just is there something maybe that you do to make sure that these guys don't lose that belief and confidence that they had at the start of the season? Yeah, Lynn, it's um something we keep talking about. Um they're probably just sick of hearing me talk about it, to be honest with you. But it's something that uh, makes sure they understand that we as a staff um, believe that this is the kind of team we are. And um, But also reminders that, that we've got to do things right. We've got to figure out ways to win. That's that's how we've been so far. Um, and to keep pointing out the positives like we've already talked today, you know, you're not just blind optimism. But uh, when you're doing something well and uh, the results might not be there, we got to focus on um, with that in mind, too. When we do make mistakes, um, we we just got to keep working. We've got to keep working, keep teaching, keep keep learning. And uh, this is a group that's been very open to that and it will pay off in the long haul. Um, But none of those things are a quick fix. There isn't a quick fix, except you know, we got a day off. Uh, and then we fire our spikes back on and get back in there and, and fight. Um, that, but that belief that you're talking about, um, it needs to be reinforced um, with the positive results. We know that. Uh, and but uh, remember that the process is what's the most important thing through this 162 game season. That um, you got to stay with it.
0: Okay, good stuff. I thought from. From manager Mike Matheny, and I got to tell you, Vahe, I've, through this eight-game losing streak, I I have been I've been impressed with his, his public comments from you know, explaining the losses and being honest, um, as, as honest as he could be, right? Uh, be, you know, not being critical, but but telling it like it is for the most part. I I think he's I think he's handled this as well as a manager can.
1: I think so too, Blair. And I think what stands out to me is, um, kind of not running from the points of criticism, but also not, not belaboring them. Right. And looking for the way forward. Um, I think he's got that ability to project this, this kind of healthy blend of, um, constructive criticism and accountability while staying upbeat. And I think, I think that's pretty cool. I, I mean, we see it as it's relayed to us and thus as we relay it to our, our audience. I, I have no reason to think it's different in how it's, you know, transmitted in the clubhouse. Um, and I got thinking as I was listening to him, you know, sometimes when you're, you're listening and, and working to, to write it and process it for what you're working on, you, you, you shrink wrap it and you don't hear it as well. But I, I, I'm struck often by the things he says as being useful to, uh, apply to my own everyday, (laughs) everyday approach. Like, yeah, I I better just keep grinding. Uh, that, that one didn't go so well, just, just kind of work it through. And I always laugh at the term, the process, um, because it's, it's so, it's so pointed. It's so true. And yet it's kind of mundane. Right. And we, we hear it from different people, but Mike, Mike's big on the process. Um, And I had a little extra chuckle right as he was saying that, because I recalled, uh, we know how much Dayton Moore likes to talk about the process. And Dayton took some criticism for a while when the Royals process wasn't quite coming through. And I remember uh, Sam Mellinger teasing him in the press box one day after they won the World Series, suggesting to Dayton that he should get a T-shirt that says, "Uh, how do you like my process now? (laughs) Dayton didn't even dignify it with a comment, just kind of grinned at him.
0: You know, I got to tell you, Sam Mellinger is one of the great T-shirt authors of all time. If anybody, <laughs> anybody could whip up a slogan for a T-shirt, it's Mellie. Um, Sammy okay, Hustle, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's take a break and hear from the University of Kansas Health System. And when we come back, uh, right out of this break, we're going to hear from uh, Royals uh, utility man and infielder out everything, Whit Merrifield.
2: Learn more at marines.com.
0: The Kansas City Royals lineup is backed up by the region's strongest team in healthcare, the University of Kansas Health System.
2: We both suit up with one goal in mind, to win.
0: The University of Kansas Health System, official health care provider of the Royals. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. please visit Kansas city.com slash sportsbeatkc offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening.
2: Hey, what, um, where do you feel like, uh, do you feel like you guys are in sort of the same place, different place and sort of coming into this series? I mean, it's a long season, but uh, it seemed like, you know, things were going in one direction with uh, the road trip, six and three, had a little energy with Lynch getting ready to take over. And then, after the sweep, where do you feel like you guys are at?
3: Well, I mean, do you think it was going to be peaches and roses all year? You know, we're, we're going to, we're going to go through something like this at some point. And you find out a lot about a team and a lot about, you know, the men in there when you get punched in the mouth and we got punched in the mouth, this, this, uh, stand or this, this best series and see what, uh, see how we can respond, see what kind of team we got, see what kind of men we got in there.
2: Sam? So, yeah. yeah, I mean, just um, just a follow up to that answer, where, I mean, what, what do you expect? What have you seen so far from your teammates that, that makes you expect a, a reaction one way or the other? Well,
3: when things go well, I see guys that are uh, working to fix the problem, not just crumbling and sulking. You know, guys are getting after it and uh, make trying to make adjustments and, and trying to put themselves in position to succeed. And in this game, that's not always going to happen. But all you can do is 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 understand the problem, do your best to address the problem and and make adjustments to fix it. And we got a bunch of guys in there that are that are grinding to do that uh, because everybody in there wants to win. And that's that's the end, end goal. And um, you got to put yourself in the best position for you to succeed individually in order to help this club win. And we got guys that are uh, grinding through it you know we got some guys that that are struggling a little bit but like I said there's no sulking there's no just sort of caving guys are fighting to get better
0: peaches and roses um not gonna
1: be where <laughs> uh, are you being from that part of the country a little bit I mean was that did he mean to say peaches and cream that there's yeah, peaches and roses so. a thing
0: yeah, it's, I, I think so mixed his metaphors a little bit, but that's okay. It's
1: it's, oh, really. it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah,
0: it, it is. Yeah,
1: and I keep thinking about that line ever since. It was a great way to get into it. As it turns out, we have a peach tree here, and it does not bear much fruit. Otherwise, I was thinking of bringing a couple of the ballpark for uh, for the press box the other day to, you know, lighten the mood for everybody. But um, <laughs> you no, know, Cindy says they're not even ready. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, he it. Just a just a quick aside about him. I don't know what he's going to do after baseball, after he plays baseball. and I hope he plays another decade, but I'm I'm really interested to see what Wit does later. Whether he becomes a broadcaster or a manager, he's so smart and so um, to the point and yet uh, articulate with it. Um, the wit and wisdom of Wit Merrifield. It's good stuff.
0: It is. Um... Uh, the Royals are now experiencing the pits and the thorns instead of the peaches and the roses right now. But, you know, Vahe, um, it's it's funny when we, when you look at the Royals roster and I just thought about this, you break it down, you've got players on this team that understand uh, what winning championships are like, especially in the Royals uniform, right? With Salvador Perez and uh, Danny Duffy, draw uh, Dyson, you know, back on the team, you have another group that really didn't go through the 100 lost seasons uh, of the previous, you know, the, the previous couple of years. You know, guys that are, are really new to uh, Major League Baseball. Um, Daniel Lynch is one of those. Um, but, but then you've got this other group, probably the largest group on the team represented, of players that missed out on the championship years and have had to endure the 100 lost seasons and now are trying to fight their way out of this. Whit Merrifield, Hunter Dozier, Brad Keller, Jacob Junis. I mean it's a long list uh, of those guys and you know when I when I think about when I when the Royals were going through their great April run I, I was I was think boy this will be great if they can get to the playoffs and guys that have endured the the the, the crappy baseball of you know of, of 18, 17 18 19 you know will, will get some success and 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 now they're having to fight through you know this this losing this eight game losing streak, but uh, I like what Witt said about you know these are guys that have been punched in the mouth, and you know we'll see see what we're made of. But remember, keep in mind, he said that after the the, the final loss in the Indian series, they hadn't even played the White Sox yet, <laughs> and yeah. um,
1: of course they dropped three in a row to the to the White Sox. Well, you know, surely he he really was talking about okay the next day, but but really it holds up going forward, right? I mean, and in a certain way, it's all the more so now, right? After you've really gotten drugged around and, and, it, you know, now's the time to show a little bit of what they're made of. I don't, I don't know what, when a, we were talking about this a little bit the other day. I don't know when a losing streak number becomes the end, right? It's not eight. It might be 21. You know, we saw with the Orioles <laughs> a few years ago, or might yeah. be 16. I think that's the, the the Royals longest. I don't know what it is, but, but you know, it's, they got to plant the flag here and 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 just just get a win, just just get a win. Detroit seems like a good place to get one, um, and and then I think things look different just with one win, and then you go to the next day. I mean, that's I mean, it's pretty simplistic, but um, it, it's very interesting point you're making though about the guys that um, have had it, you know, have had the the. The, the highest of the highs, and then all the guys that are, you know, a lot of the core of the team that have not enjoyed that and um, are obviously hungry for it. And now you've got this kind of influx of, you know, the really new guys and it made, it made me want to flip this on you, Blair. Do you I've thought about this before. Do you see I wasn't here yet. I didn't come till 2013 from St. Louis, but 2011, 2012, you started feeling some sense of OK, the flip the switch. Right. I think that was what Dayton called it when he called up Hosmer Operation Flip the Switch. Like Hosmer, Moustakas, Sal, Duffy, all those guys sort of in the same time frame. Um, what's this like to you compared to that? And
0: that was 2011, of course, uh, the year that uh, the, probably not ready, but you, you went ahead and lived with the mistakes in those years. One of the problems with that was there was a promise of 2012 being the, the breakthrough year for the Royals. There was a lot of excitement in town. The Royals were hosting the All-Star Game that year. And you know, the, 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 the former first-round draft picks like Moustakas, you know, were going to join Gordon and, and Perez, guys that were just a year or two ahead of them. And now they had the makings of a, of a team that could make a run. And 2012 turned out to be such a different point. Uh, disappointment, and of course, we've mentioned this too. That was when the Royals trotted out the "Our Time" you know slogan, which promised results and, and couldn't deliver. That, that brings us to 2013. There's a little bit of promise. They go through the the tough stretch, bring George Brett on as on the coaching you know to the coaching staff to help get things turned around, and and they did get things turned around. 86 games in in uh, 2013 that set the stage for 14 and and 15. So it's a fair question, and it's worthy of explor- deeper exploration. How much does uh, does this feel like the 2011? Uh, the, the you're at the doorstep. I I think in you know this team has more established stardom and proven players than that were on the Royals roster in in 2011. And the pitching, the young pitching, is 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 better. So. I don't know. I think it sets up for the Royals maybe to end up being the team we all thought they were going to be, somewhere between 72 and 78 wins when it's all said and done. With um, you know, with by the end of the season, seeing players like Bobby Wood Jr., maybe Lacey, Jackson Coar, and uh, and and setting up uh, you know maybe a, a playoff run for 2022. But boy, April got us all excited, right? The Royals are ahead of schedule. And let's let's think in terms of what can they do? What kind of trade maybe can they make this year to to get another bat in the lineup or to, you know, th- you'll know, get the get the starting rotation stronger. What could they do? And an eight game losing streak will sober you sober you up quickly.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt. But you do make me think about this now. And this is probably my opportunity to get off the hook for for where we made those predictions, uh, being the one who said like eighty five, eighty six wins. Everybody else is like, uh, uh-uh. uh. So I should probably take this opportunity. But I'm, you know what, I, I'm going to go on a limb and say I think this season is going to end up being more like 2013 than 2012. I, I, I just, it's just a gut feeling. I think a lot for a lot of the reasons you, you described. There, you know, regressing to the mean in in some cases here means that some of these guys reverting to the mean. I should say that some of these guys are going to have a lot better numbers pretty soon. I, I think. Um, and you know, we got to see what's going to happen with the bullpen right now. That's my biggest concern, you know, it, how demoralizing that is to have a couple of those games you could have won and just, just frittered away. But I, I do, I do feel like there's more advanced things in place as well as some of the promise of the future with some of these guys. So I'm, I'm going to cling to the hope that they're, they're still a, a, a plus 500 team by the end of this season.
0: Boy, I tell you, the bullpen looks so good early, and yeah. uh, Josh Lamont was, was, was aces. Um, uh, Steve Hogan asks, uh, speaking of the bullpen, what's the latest on Zimmer and Hahn? Of course, uh, Hahn had the shoulder impingement, and Zimmer with the trap uh, injury. I think they're actually closer. Uh, we might see him. I, I don't know this for sure, and I, I think we'll get more information today uh, when, when Lynn speaks to Mike Matheny in Detroit. I'm sure that'll come up. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them back pretty soon, at least uh, Zimmer. And,
1: and there's an interesting thing with that, Blair, and it's something I've thought about in terms of Mondesi, too. It's not just that you're missing these guys. It's kind of how it reorders everything else. Um, what, you know, Zimmer and Han were giving them, gave them – I know Mike has used the bullpen in different ways, but it gave them a little bit of a uh, – just – I think a, a, a sense of order to what they were going to try to do or what, what he felt his options were. And I think the same thing with, with Mondesi, if you get him back, you know, I don't exactly know. I don't think we do know what the personnel implications will be, how they'll play everything from there, but you get, you're going to shore up the defense right away, which, which needs that, right. Even if it's just a, a, a twitch more, a, a, you know, a, a, a little dimension better, that, that changes some things, with, and it, it also changes what you expect out of which part of the lineup at any given time. So we'll see, right? And, and that's still probably, in talking to the Royals on Sunday, uh, they thought there's a chance we'd see Mondesi by the end of the month, but I don't think anybody was even guaranteeing that. So it's still, it's still a little ways out.
0: Well, what it would do first off is move Nicky Lopez to the position that he's more comfortable. Second, I think he's an average defensive shortstop, but he's an excellent defensive second baseman. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh,
0: and, and then you're right; they'd have to make some other decisions with what to, what to do with the with the batting order, whether even with Nick, whether Nicky even stays in the you know in the lineup at that at that point. All right, Vahe, let's start to wind it down. with do some numbers here. Two for twenty-nine with runners in scoring position over the last three games, which is just abysmal. Just abysmal. It's in. It's, I think they're hitting in over over this like ten-game one and nine stretch. They're one sixty with runners in scoring position. But uh, hey, oh, the other the other number that uh, that just freaks me out is. The Royals are ten games under five hundred against the White Sox in 2020 and 2021, and they're two over five hundred against everyone else, including the Indians. It's just that just swept them. It's just an incredible stat, right? Um, that the, the the White Sox are not, you know, they're not scared of the Royals. That, that's for sure. And after Detroit, the Royals go into Chicago for four games. The good news there is after this four game set with the with the White Sox. The Royals will be halfway finished with the Chicago end of their schedule. They'll they'll have played nine or ten games against the White Sox. They'll only have that many games left over the, the second half of the season. But boy, that's just a it's just a brutal matchup for for the, the Royals. And the White Sox are even injured, right? They're they are they have got a couple of outfielders that they're counting on, not, not with the team. So just a just a you know, the White Sox have helped set the tone for this, this losing streak
1: that that the yeah. Royals have. It it is interesting. They, it when you crunch the numbers like you just did, it 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 okay. It makes the White Sox seem all the more imposing, but it also tells you if if you could just get to some kind of not even winning ground, but but you know some kind of competitiveness against the White Sox, where you're where you're you know winning one out of three, <laughs> or yeah. you know yeah, occasionally yeah, you win a series. You know, uh, I feel like whatever they do in Detroit. Um, Friday in Chicago is a big deal with the doubleheader. Just a, kind of a statement day. I mean, you go in there, you get flattened and, and swept. Oof! I, I, it makes me feel like they'll lose all four if, if they get swept on Friday, and that's silly. It's probably not, you know, an indicator. But um, the two for twenty-nine is interesting too, Blair, because that's that is that's it's horrendous. But it also shows you that they're not, you know, they're not getting no hit. They're not they're not not getting runners on base um, and i think as as bad an indicator as that is it also suggests you know you scratch together seven of 29 or you know you get a couple more extra base hits like they've been cranking out for a while and that that, that looks a bit different so it is funny it's another one of those cliches right it's never as good as you think it, it is when you're rolling and it's never as bad as you think it is when you're Sometimes it's as bad as you think it is.
0: Yeah, I think this is bad.
1: <laughs> What's bad. the another Sam Mellinger witticism of uh from Buddy Bell? I think it was during that whatever that was, sixteen or seventeen game losing streak. They'd lost like their eleventh, and Buddy Bell said, "Never let them tell you, you can't get any worse."
0: <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, So here's hoping
1: that 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 doesn't come into play uh, for for our town and our squad here.
0: All right. Okay, Vahe. I know you are heading off on assignment as well, and we'll definitely talk about that next week. Wanted to thank you, Beth Welsh, our producer, and Monty Davis, who uh, was the assistant producer today, um, along with the University of Kansas Health System for uh, for sponsoring us. And Vahe and I referenced uh, the George Brett conversation we had yesterday. That's available on uh, podcast. The entire uh, George Brett and Tom Watson conversation where they discussed, among other things, the the Royals and the slump and what those two guys did when they were, you know, what they needed to do to get out of, uh, you know, slumps that the similar to what the Royals are, are in right now. So check that out on KansasCity.com. Also, all the Royals coverage, KansasCity.com and the print editions of the Kansas City Star. Thank you very much. And we will talk to you again next Tuesday. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Beat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Vaje Gregorian for stopping by and talking Royals. Links to stories about the Royals can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we've got another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus more stories that appear Only on the website, and of course, they all appear first on the website. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month, unless you cancel. And what a great time to subscribe. Read about what's going on with our Chiefs, the Royals, the colleges, our soccer teams, and more. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the e Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. If you're having trouble hunting down any of those offers, you send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I'll get you to the right place. So Whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting in supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode.